Hi, everybody. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of Patriot Strong. As you can see, I have the wonderful honor of uh, Dr. Peter McCullough joining me tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. You don't know how much of an honor this is. I know you are super busy, but you are on the top of my interview list, and I am honored that you took the time to join me tonight. Well, thanks for having me. For my audience, not know you as in depth as some others. Can you just do a short introduction in your medical background? Sure. So I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm a practicing internist and cardiologist in Dallas, Texas, and I hold degrees from Baylor University, the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School, uh, the University of Michigan, and Southern Methodist University. And uh, I'm in my fourth decade of practice, and I do a blend of academic practice as well as uh, original research. I'm a clinical scholar. And uh, in the COVID-19 pandemic, I've been very focused on uh, developing new protocols, learning how to treat patients with the illness, uh, learning to treat some of the cardiovascular complications since I practice as an internist and a cardiologist. And I've been called upon uh, twice by the U.S. Senate. In, in multiple state senates uh, to testify on the pandemic and pandemic response. And so first and foremost, I've put patients first and I've done my best to help the country. Rewinding back to spring of 2020, when all of this first started, uh, whenever you first started hearing about COVID and you know this most deadly virus ever, what were your kind of first thoughts or first reaction? You know, I like everybody else, I was, uh, uh, afraid, and we weren't sure what was going to happen with the virus, but we learned within a couple of weeks uh, that not everyone was equally at risk, that it was largely the elderly and those uh, with multiple medical conditions. And we heard all kinds of stories from the inpatient service about blood clotting. Uh, quickly, the Italians published an autopsy. So we knew that blood clotting was part of the, the final common pathway to death. And, and within several months, I worked with the Italians, uh, other uh, experts in the U.S., and we had basically come up with a protocol of how to treat patients early using uh, uh, ways of reducing viral replication, treating the inflammation, and then the blood clotting. It's now copyrighted the McCullough Protocol. It appeared in two major publications, the most widely cited treatment paper in all of COVID-19. So we had treatment under control. And we learned a couple of things. One, that the only people being hospitalized, and sadly those who died, is because they didn't receive early treatment. And that B, if we started within the first three days, that we markedly reduced the intensity and duration of symptoms. Patients, it was night and day if patients got early treatment. They get better over time. We learned about virucidal nasal washes uh, to, uh, to kill the virus up in the nose. Uh, and then the treatments were refined over time. So early treatment came into order. And, and then I think that the rest of the pandemic response was largely now issues dealing with the vaccine. And speaking of the vaccine, you know, now that the um, adverse effects are more apparent and they're coming more to light, the the most forefront people that have spoken out since the beginning, now that everything is coming to light, what is your response or what have you seen as uh, responses from your colleagues from now compared to whenever you first started speaking out about all of this? You know, one proxy for trust in the vaccine is who took it. We know at doctors about 96% of, and I didn't fit into the category of, of any, any risk at all. 
So I didn't take it, but 96% of doctors did, I think largely out of fear. Then later on, they were mandated. And try to mandate an experimental vaccine. That's wrong from an ethical perspective because the vaccine is not known whether or not it's safe. And it's not known what the long-term effects are. We, we learned all kinds of things afterwards that just now, I think, make everybody pretty sick to their stomach. The vaccines don't leave the body. The genetic material doesn't break down. The spike protein goes into all the organs in the brain, in the, in the body, including the brain, the heart, the adrenal glands. The FDA says the vaccines cause heart damage. You know, I don't want any heart damage. You don't want any. The FDA says they cause heart damage. The FDA says they cause neurologic damage. And the FDA says they cause blood clots. I don't want those either. So, uh, you know, it's, it, the safety profile became known over time to be unacceptable. And, and I think all the tension was people were willing to give up on these vaccines. Uh, but in fact, instead of giving up employers, military schools, they said, now you have to take them. And I think that was the big problem. Yeah. And, you know, I can relate to that. Um, I was a pre-K, preschool kindergarten teacher for eight and a half years. I was fired because I refused the vaccine and I refused to test weekly for that. Um, and I know a lot of people are in my same boat, but it turns out, you know, I've gotten so many opportunities to meet with patriots across the country and speak with heroes and, you know, just patriots that are putting their their neck on the line and speaking out against the truth. So it's kind of a silver lining because if that never have, have happened, um, you know, I might not be doing this right now. So I'm, I'm thankful for the situations that, you know, unfolded. Think about what the CDC says now. The CDC says now, and what they say now was true back when you were fired. The CDC says now that weekly testing should never be done because yep. uh, none of the studies support it. The FDA has never cleared the test for weekly testing. The WHO said not to do it back in June of 2021. The CDC yeah. says now that a fully vaccinated person is indistinguishable from an unvaccinated person from a public health perspective. So, so you losing your job was completely incorrect according to the science that the CDC now recognizes. Yeah, and you know, I had sent emails back and forth with our HR people, uh, you know, pointing out all of this because, you know, I, I dug deep because I didn't want to lose my job, but I wasn't going to subject myself to an experimental mRNA vaccine. And the only response that I could get was, we will send this to our health and safety team. Never did they an answer any questions, but that's neither here nor there. Um, moving on. Why do you think so many doctors still push the vaccine then and even still do now, even with all of the, uh, uh, the information coming to light? You know, you'd really have to ask one of those doctors. I'm amazed how many doctors push the vaccine and it's not even their specialty. So, for instance, in cardiology, you know, many cardiologists have actually pushed the vaccine on their patient. The FDA warns against the vaccine for cardiology patients because it causes heart damage and it causes blood clots. We, you know, we can't afford any heart damage in my office and we can't afford any blood clots. In fact, I prescribe blood thinners all day long. I just came from the hospital. So you know, you'd have to ask those doctors, why are they promoting the vaccine? They're actually causing the problems that we deal with in cardiology every day. You know, it's, it's really eye-opening um, once people 
you know, do their own research and they tune away from mainstream media that only have one agenda on their mind. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit. Um, you know, whenever this first happened, some of the first things that I heard associated with COVID-19 was mRNA um, and shedding. Can you kind of explain what that means a little bit more to my audience, more in depth? You know, shedding uh, with respect to the mRNA really asks the question, can the mRNA itself, the genetic material, be transferred from one person to another? We know in a paper by Vertake and colleagues that the messenger RNA itself is circulating in the blood for at least two weeks. They found it there and it looked, it looked like it wasn't going down. And then a recent paper in JAMA by Hannah and colleagues showed the messenger RNA being transmitted in breast milk. So the answer is yes, the messenger RNA itself can be transmitted uh, through blood and body secretions and breast milk. That part's answered. Now the spike protein, which is produced by the genetic materials, that's far more dangerous uh, that has been shown uh, to be uh, the whole virus itself, and we assume the spike protein in studies from the Chinese to be in sweat, tears, um, uh, uh, you know, oral genital secretions. So it's possible anybody with the spike protein, either with the acute virus or he, who actually is producing spike protein after the vaccines, could spread the spike protein and then, you know, induce symptoms in the recipient. Now, the circulatory spike protein in a paper by Ogata and colleagues. Uh, is present up to about 30 days after the vaccine. Most people, it's only about two weeks. So I suggest people freshly vaccinated refrain from close contact, kissing, or sexual activity for a month. Um, why do you think the vaccine is still on the market, even though all of this is coming to light? You know, we're still seeing on our TV commercials and hearing on the radio, seeing it in stores, uh, the booster being promoted. Why do you think that is? The uh, vaccines, uh, as they were rolled out in December of 2020, are really the development effort of the U.S. military, the Department of Defense, and the uh, the Department of Health and Human Services by the U.S. So, uh, so Dr. Uh, Alex Cesar and now and, Al, and uh, then Xavier Bashera, the HHS secretaries, they're the ones who really make the decisions. The vaccines they're physically manufactured by Department of Defense contractors by DARPA contractors. Pfizer and Moderna um, uh, have some intellectual property rights and in a sense are the, are the pharmaceutical marketing face of the vaccines, but the vaccines are very much a, a U.S. military operation and they rely upon what's called the emergency use authorization, which is a form of legislation for the military. And so it really doesn't you know, have the formality uh, or yes or no with FDA approval. So the FDA approvals have been basically um, a theater. Uh, the FDA doesn't have legalistically the right to pull them off the market. Pfizer and Moderna don't physically manufacture them, so they're not calling for the vaccines to be pulled off the market. And the CDC uh, adjudication over vaccine schedules, again, is theater. So we're getting back to the fact that this is a U.S. government operation, and no one can uh, point fingers uh, at each other. And until our U.S. government says it's over with, it's still going to be pushed. Um, do you think the boosters are pushed to uh, put the body in a constant state of developing the spike protein? Well, boosters, as stated, are an attempt to try to provide extended protection against the, the virus. It's just that the, the uh, boosters were just third and fourth doses of the original vaccines, which were failing. 
they're coated against the Wuhan spike protein. The new bivalent boosters, half of them are still coated against the obsolete spike protein. And then half is coated against the BA4, BA5 subvariant. And so the estimates are now David Wiseman, vaccine consultant who's testified at the FDA, believes there's probably four different spike proteins produced in the new bivalent vaccines. Uh, sadly, the bivalent vaccines failed in animal studies. And so the animals got Omicron anyway. Uh, there was a false rise in the surrogate antibody measure. Uh, but the bivalent vaccines, again, because the FDA really doesn't have approval or disapproval power, they rubber stamp to approve them, even with no human data. And that's another hallmark of a military vaccine. The military can do what they want with vaccines and what's called uh, uh, biological countermeasures. And so they said, just approve it anyway. So the bivalent vaccines never been tested in human beings. Uh, we have no reason to believe that they're safe at all. Uh, and we know that they won't work. Yet they're put out there because this is a US military operation. So for those who may be listening that might not be as familiar with a what a spike protein is, can you kind of go into that and what it does to the nucleus of all of our cells? Right. So the spike protein is the spine or these little spicules on the surface of the virus. So the virus is a ball and all those sticks poking out of the virus, those are the spike proteins. Spike proteins uh, are what allow the virus to invade the human body. The spike protein itself damages blood cells, causes blood clotting, damages the heart, the brain, and the other organs. Uh, and the spike protein is the product of the COVID-19 vaccines. So Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson is the genetic code for the spike protein. And so it's installing the genetic code in the human body. Then, then our own cells make the spike protein and the spike protein damages every organ and tissue where it's produced. And so this is the worst concept at all, of all for a vaccine. Now, recently the Novavax vaccine was approved and commercialized in the United States. That's five micrograms of purified spike protein with no genetics involved. But again, sadly, the spike protein in the Novavax vaccine is obsolete. We have no reason to believe it would work at all since that spike protein hasn't been seen uh, on the virus now for nearly two years. Um, you know, I was recently listening to, uh, heard that cancer numbers are up something like 300%. Do you think that has a direct correlation with the vaccine because it does attack the nucleus of cells? You know, I'm not sure. Um, we know that through the pandemic, the cancer screening tests were delayed. There were other reasons why there could be a backlog of cancers. Uh, there's one paper from University of Pittsburgh showing that the S2 segment of the spike protein interferes with two tumor suppressor genes. Theoretically, one is the P53 gene and the other one, the BRCA gene. So in theory, uh, excessive amounts of spike protein for a long duration of time could impair tumor surveillance. And if someone already has a mutation in BRCA or BRCA or P53, they could be a setup for particular cancers like kidney cancer, breast and female reproductive cancer. Um, but to my analysis now, it's not proven that the COVID-19 vaccines cause cancer, but the data don't look good. And I can tell you, a human body is not made healthier by taking repeated shots of these vaccines. That, that's impossible. The best way for our body to stay healthy is to actually be healthy and not take injections of foreign genetic material. Right. So for those that have taken the vaccine, you know, once, twice, three, four times, what advice would you give them? Is there anything that they can do to kind of detox themselves 
from, you know, what's being introduced into their body? No, there's no known ways of clinically detoxing. The main message is don't take any more vaccines and certainly don't be bullied and forced into taking them. Uh, there are no uh, accepted protocols right now for detoxification. The U.S. government, NIH, is not even recognizing vaccine injuries right now. So from multiple studies suggest that genetic material is very long-lasting and the spike protein is even more long-lasting. And we've never injected substances in the body that last this long. It's, it's very worrisome. Um, I was listening to Karen Kingston. I'm not sure if you are familiar with her or not, but she mentioned that the vaccines have a neurobiological uh, kind of self-destruction weapon within them that they have self-assembling nanotechnology that kind of beams or reads off of the 5G towers. What is your opinion on that, or do you have any? You know, I don't. I haven't reviewed uh, th that information. I've been just been focusing on the immediate medical problems as I see patients with uh, the injuries we expect in the office. So I don't have an opinion on that. Have you heard of the mRNA also being the, the newest batches of the influenza vaccine? Well, the influenza vaccine last year, uh, in a paper published by... Um, by Chung and colleagues, had 16% vaccine efficacy. It was published in MMWR 2022. That was uh, statistically insignificant from zero. So the first point is the influenza vaccines uh, appear to have zero effect. They have almost no impact on COVID. So I wouldn't recommend them right now until they can markedly uh, improve. Uh, I mean, sorry, influenza vaccines have virtually no impact on influenza. Now, we don't give vaccines together because there's already significant side effects with the COVID-19 vaccines. The, um, the V-safe data have been analyzed and released by the ICANN NGO. We know that the COVID vaccines incapacitate 25% of people who take them. They can't go to work the next day or day after. 7% to 8% actually have to go to the ER or ER, uh, urgent care centers. So we would never give the COVID-19 vaccine and the flu vaccine together because we're not gonna figure out which one caused the problem. And chances are more inflammation and fever and, and side effects is going to make the whole syndrome worse. So right now, I think the, the influenza vaccine with zero benefit uh, should be deferred on until they can improve the formula. Right. Um, and I know that we kind of mentioned before, like various and all of the adverse effects. We're seeing now, you know, sudden adult death syndrome, uh, athletes and, you know, all these people just dropping dead, literally, um, you know, being healthy and then having all of these adverse reactions. What is, what's your response on that? Well, sudden death is the most worrisome thing we've seen with the COVID-19 vaccines. There's fatal cases of myocarditis with sudden death as a manifestation by Gil, Choi, Verma. Now there's a paper by Patone where there's a hundred fatal cases of myocarditis. Uh, I think when young people die and there's, they're previously healthy, and there's no other explanation, no suicide, no drug overdose, no antecedent significant disease. It's the vaccine causing subclinical myocarditis unless the family comes out and said they didn't take the vaccine. So it's really up to the family to come out now and rule out the vaccine. If, if they are quiet uh, and, uh, and you know not forthcoming, I think Americans should assume it's the vaccine. We've seen public figure after public figure. One of the first ones to have this happen Sadly, it was Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron took the vaccine. He was a senior citizen, and, and several days later, he died. 
And uh, you know, there was no other explanation. It was the vaccine. So, um, you know, the CDC just voted 15 to zero to add the, uh, the vaccine to the routine school vaccines. Uh, would you recommend, I know it's the epitome of stupid to even ask, but for those who aren't getting it, would you recommend any parent giving their child this vaccine? No, I think it's irresponsible. Uh, Americans know now the whole state of Florida, Joel Adapo, Surgeon General, Ron DeSantis not supporting it. Um, there are now, I think, 21 states that are coming out and saying they're not supporting this at all. A lot of states guarantee um, exemptions where the parents say, listen, I want an exemption for, for any reason. Uh, and I think this is perfectly timed because such an irresponsible decision by the CDC. CDC, you know, again, this is theater. They don't have to do this. But, you know, it's an experimental vaccine. They don't even know the dose and the dose series. You know, people have talked about annual uh, shots, but uh, everyone knows the vaccines only last six months. So they added to the schedule. Is that a six-month shot for the kids forever? Um, with no endpoint. And this is not only that, but this is a temporary pandemic illness. This isn't like some, you know, illness that, that uh, uh, is long lasting in, in medical history. So th these are many firsts. Uh, it doesn't have sufficient safety to do this. And I think it's perfectly timed. We're, we're just a few days now from the elections and every candidate ought to come out and say, do they support the vaccines or not? And let the voters decide. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Uh, with that, um, I think it's called Luciferase that was present in the Pfizer vaccine. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, Luciferase, uh, it, you know, it sounds bad. It sounds like Lucifer, but it's basically just a, um, a, a form of fluorescent reporting that's used in the clinical development of this. So Luciferase itself isn't harmful. It's just a laboratory way of identifying if something is there or not in terms of, you know, base pairs of genetic material. And why would that be present in the COVID vaccine? Well, it's present because the manufacturing is not following good clinical manufacturing. There's no inspections for safety and purity. And that's the problem is these are not made under standard conditions. They're made by Department of Defense contractors, including the final fill and finish. Um, there's no idea per vial, how much messenger RNA is in there, whether or not there's any contaminants. We know the Japanese are independently inspecting the vials. They've returned millions of doses back to the manufacturers because they say there's impurity. So the United States, without having post-manufacturing inspection of the product is, is, is really doing Americans a disservice. And I do wanna get into um, you know, what's going on currently with you um, you know, it's just horrible. I read where you were recently uh, uh, stripped of your titles. Can you kind of go into that if you're allowed to? Well, yeah, in brief, um, I'm under a professional review by the American Board of Internal Medicine for giving interviews just like this, where you, you ask questions and I do my best in answering them. Uh, you know, I'm guaranteed as a doctor uh, and a citizen to have freedom of speech under the Constitution. And uh, what the American Board of Internal Medicine is trying to say is that I don't have the right to do this. And if I do, I'm subject to professional injury, like being stripped of my board certification. My board certifications are purely a, a reflection of my board scores and my clinical care. And the American Board of Internal Medicine only has an opinion, should only have their opinion on my qualifications as a doctor, not 
what podcasts I go on or what is said. Uh, and they've taken issue to some statements I've made, made under Senate testimony. And there they're trying to infringe upon my right as a citizen in giving testimony that's very much needed and relied upon in the setting of a national emergency and a pandemic where under oath, I've done the best I can to guide America. So I'm a frequent contributor on most of the news uh, stations you invited me on because I give information and I cite the data. And right now I'm being penalized for it is wrong. American Board of Internal Medicine is being sued by the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons on trying to infringe upon me and other doctors. And the ABIM, by the way, is only hitting the most prominent doctors in the news. They're not hitting every doctor. Uh, and, and, and it's pretty obvious they're trying to make an example out of me and, and they're not going to be successful. Right. And, you know, I think by them doing this, it only shows that you're right over the target. You are giving the information that Americans need. Um, it's really a shame that, you know, we we trust our doctors and, you know, our higher ups to do what is best for us. But I think because they are they're showing this, they are silencing those that are trying to get the truth out, that are actually trying to work for you know, humanity um, by silencing them, they're only showing their true colors. So I'm sorry that this is happening to you. What are, what are your plans moving forward? Well, by November 18th, I have to submit an appeal. I have to get legal counsel, name witnesses. Um, and I can tell you the assertions of the American Board of Internal Medicine are, are just different assertions than what I've given under testimony. They're asserting proportions of death by age group. That's very different than me uh, uh, giving information about risks of death when someone gets COVID. You know, these are epidemiologic um, principles. I'm trained in epidemiology. I have a degree in this from the University of Michigan. I've done this my whole life. I have over 650 peer-reviewed publications in the medical literature, over 60 on COVID. I'm one of the most published people on COVID in the world. Uh, and so at this point in time, uh, I can tell you, I stand behind my testimony. I stand behind the scientific integrity of how I've carried myself before the American public and the world. And, you know, you have an army of support behind you. Um, I know that you hopped on here last minute, and I don't want to take much more of your time. But if there is anything that you could tell the American public, my audience listening to this, how can we stand up and stop this from happening again? I think the public really should get behind the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. They're fighting medical censorship on behalf of doctors. It's a very old physician organization, and uh, they're taking on the American Medical Association, American Bar of Internal Medicine. They've taken on big tech. And so go to aapsonline.org, consider donating to that physician organization. They take no pharma money. Uh, they take no special interest money. Uh, go to my website, uh, petermccullummd.com. That'll take you everywhere, my social media. I have the biggest doctor's account on Twitter. Hopefully, Elon Musk will let me back on because I beat him on Joe Rogan. I have more downloads than he does. <laughs> Interesting. And I think Musk ought to let me back on Twitter. And uh, I have uh, a popular podcast on America Out Loud Talk Radio, McCullough Report. People listen to me all over the world. I interview uh, some of the top people all over the world, McCullough Report. So go to America Out Loud Talk Radio. McCullough Report. I've got a book out, Courage to Face COVID-19, bestseller on Amazon. You can get it through other sources. Go to the book website, couragetofacecovid.com. And, uh, and I can tell you, if we go to my website, it'll take you to all these other places. I'm very active out there. I'm probably the most active doctor in COVID-19 in the world. And I'm doing everything I can to help people, help my patients. 
help friends and family, people in Bible study and church. Uh, we have to take matters into our own hands right now. We cannot rely on the government to take care of us. Absolutely. And again, I thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, I invite you on anytime, you know, you're always welcomed. And I'll put all of your information, all your websites, your book website and everything up on the screen. So my audience can also, you know, support you. You are doing wonderful things, you know, helping everybody. And I, I just really appreciate you. And I know all of my audience does too. So thank you so, so much for joining me tonight. I, I don't even have words to say how excited and honored I am even to sit down with you and be able to speak with you. It's a, it's an honor. Very good. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. God bless. God bless. Hello, I'm Mike Vendell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. When I got MyPillow, I'm asleep almost immediately. I stay asleep at night and I wake up more well-rested in the morning. That's why I invented MyPillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you get one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and you get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or get my classic premium MyPillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to MyPillow.com and use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers and get deep discounts on all my pillow products.